you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everybody and welcome back to to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 21. Top 5 scariest episodes. Ooh. I am as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me my companion through podcasting time and space, we have Paul Gann. Hey, who turned out the lights? Yeah. <laughs> How's hey, it going, man, Paul? Oh, it's good. If I can just get over this cold spell. Well, well, you're sounding better this week, so that's great. Um, <laughs> Less but, like a bullfrog and yeah. more like sandpaper in my throat. Something like that. <laughs> this this is the month of Halloween. We are gearing up for Halloween in about ten days from now, thereabouts, as we record. It'll be about a week from Halloween when this episode actually gets online. Since next week we will be recording about the girl who died and the woman who lived. I think that's the names of the episodes. Yes. We figured we'd get our, our little Halloween-themed episode out now and prepare you for some spooky Doctor Who watching on Halloween uh, with your sonic screwdrivers, scarves, and bow ties. <laughs> If you're looking for some spooky Doctor Who to watch on Halloween, we've got quite the plethora for you, uh, as we are going to be counting down our our top five, plus a couple of honorable mentions, because that's the way we roll. And before we get into our episodes... (laughs) 
Spoilers. I do want to let you know that there will be probably some mild spoilers if you haven't seen these. I, I feel like I'm doing a spoiler warning at the beginning of every episode, but, you know, <laughs> everybody always wants to know when there's going to be spoilers. And if you forget to do a spoiler warning, somebody's like, hey, you didn't do a spoiler warning, and somebody gets mad at you. So <laughs> probably there will be spoilers talked about, folks. Uh <laughs> We're not going to go in-depth with these episodes, but we're going to talk about why they're scary to us. We, we don't want to give the whole story away. We want you to go watch them. In the dark, with a candle flickering in the corner, a blanket, hot cocoa. Maybe some popcorn. Yeah, and something creaking in the background. <laughs> something scratching on the screen of your window. Mm. <laughs> but before we jump into our list of top five... Uh, we do want to uh, turn it over to you, the listeners. We we did ask you guys if you had some scary episodes that you wanted to mention. And uh, we got a couple of responses over on Facebook. Uh, Rene Tajima-Bierre uh, simply says Blink being his scariest episode. Uh, of course, Blink is the introduction of the Weeping Angels. And Brian V. Klein said this... Tomb of the Cybermen is the creepiest, but overall scariest is by far Blink. The Weeping Angels are so menacing. So we got a classic and new Who mention in that. So did you want to comment on any of these real quick before we jump into our list, Paul? Ooh, we'll just see if it matches up with any of ours. All right. Well, do you want to start this little party, or shall I? This little spook fest, or shall uh, I? I can do it. All right. Um, well, go ahead and give us your first honorable mention. My first honorable mention is Planet of the Spiders. Ooh, Planet of the Spiders. Yes, because pretty much anything with giant bugs in it is going to make my skin crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, this is a third Doctor story, correct? Yes. Yes. And it's more than just giant bugs. There, There's a whole other supernatural element to it um, that makes it uh, even more intriguing for me. Cool. Yes. Did, you want, did you want to expand on that a little bit, or is that all you wanted want to say? Them, I want them to go watch it. You, know? you want people to go watch it? Yes, uh-huh. I want them to go watch it. <laughs> all right. I have to tease just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> we'll, we'll go more into depth on our on our top five, but our honorable mentions are the ones that we wanted to include in our top five, but we ran out of room. Yeah. Of course, this could have been like a top 20, and we'd still be here for hours, but, you know, <laughs> five. But, you know, I personally didn't have enough time to go back and research and find that many for myself, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Well, my first honorable mention will actually coincide with that of Brian's, uh, at least his classic episode, that being Tomb of the Cybermen. This is uh, a second Doctor episode, and uh, it's definitely got an air of suspense and menace. It does. the, The episodes do, and I think... This episode is actually really well served by being in black and white. Uh, I think the black and white and the the lack of consistent music and the 
machines humming in the background for most of the episode really right. just sort of lend itself to being just a little unsettling. The atmosphere and the the visual medium in which it's presented really do help to give it that creep factor. It just sort of it's not overly terrifying or scary, but it just gives you the when it's it skin, makes your skin crawl. Yeah, but when it's over, you just go, "Oh, okay." It just gives you the willies <laughs> at the end of it. It's like, "Oh, okay, thanks. That good. That's over." You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, it feels a little off balance, like you were saying with the with the music, because one minute it will have no music whatsoever, and the next minute it will have music that's like in your face, and it, you don't really get a chance to be balanced, I guess, yeah, when it comes comfortable. to things like. Yeah. yeah, it it makes you feel displaced, I guess you'd say. Yeah, that's a good that's a good word. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, what's your second honorable mention, Paul? Uh, Night Terrors. Night Terrors is that is that a Matt Smith? That, that's a Matt Smith episode, the one with the creepy dolls. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was almost higher on my list, but. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. Anything with creepy dolls in it instantly creeps me out. Um, so you're not friends with Chucky? Oh, I enjoy those movies, actually. Um, <laughs> because of the creepiness gotcha. of the doll. You know? Of course, no, with those, uh, just to be honest about it, uh, in the middle it kind of got a little on the cheese side. It, it went back. It went back to its roots toward the end uh, with the latest movie that they came out with. Uh, like the fourth and fifth movie in that series were more horror comedy than they were actual horror. Gotcha. But with this one, the, with the the singing children and the giggling and the the fact that they would grab you and turn you into one of them, yeah, it just kind of made me. Like, <laughs> I watched it, the first time I watched it was in the dark, <laughs> and uh, I believe I watched it by myself. Oh, and so it was one of those curl up in the blanket and get comfortable kind of episodes, if you know. With what I'm your saying. feet off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and and that's also one that's a little bit, you know, unbalanced too because you have Matt Smith in that episode who is really hamming it up at some point mm -hmm. and then you have like 30 seconds later these creepy dolls running around with this giggling and this singing and all of this and I'm just going yeah, yeah make, make them go away right. you know because <laughs> it's like ah! <laughs> right and the fact that they're in the dollhouse, and so everything's, you know, blocky and just a little bit too big, right. also just sort of, in, you know, emphasizes that just slightly off-kilter, unsettling, you know, aspect to that episode. And then you find out they're made out of wood, mm. because the doctor tries to use the sonic on them, and he's like... Oh, I'm going to have to figure out how to make a, a, a setting for wood for this thing. This is becoming embarrassing, you know? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> and, and the neat, the good thing is, is, is that with horror, you have to have a little bit of, of levity in it. Otherwise, it just all washes together. And so I think Matt Smith actually has a, a good amount mm-hmm. of, of really creepy episodes. Right. Because he's so wacky. And then combining him with <laughs> something that's absolutely terrifying... Uh, actually serves the horror genre uh, really well. It's kind of interesting, though, the way that they write the Doctor. Is, like I said before, a lot of the times you could picture any of the Doctors saying these lines, and it sounds like it could come out of any one of their mouths. But it's the the difference in the way they deliver it that makes you know the, the whole difference in the world about how it comes off i guess we're moving on to my final honorable mention and this is another classic episode i wanted to try and include as many scary classic episodes as possible just to sort of balance it out because i know there's a lot of really quote-unquote scary doctor who episodes in the new who but uh, for those who may not be as familiar with the classic series and might want to check out some of the classic terrifying episodes uh, I wanted to give a couple of options and this one is going to be called the Daemons which I almost put that one on my list yes and <laughs> this has the master in it and so we'll get to it eventually whenever we get to our, our master story reviews but this is something where it's got a, a supernatural cult horror uh, premise mm-hmm. Actually, the TARDIS wiki actually has a, a good brief synopsis for this episode, and I want to read it just to give everybody an idea of this episode. A little story arc. The Master, posing as a rural vicar, summons a cloven-hoofed demon to a church crypt. Seeking to gain the ancient titan's demonic power, he gathers a cult and then corrupts or controls the residents of Devil's End to bow to his will. Dark elemental forces begin to disturb the village on the eve of May Day. Unexplained murders, a stone gargoyle come to life, and a nigh-impenetrable infernal energy dome. With the Master fully prepared to destroy the Earth, the Doctor and Unit, aided by a benevolent practitioner of witchcraft, battle the wicked rites of a secret science wielded by an alien from another world. That's sort of the synopsis, and it's actually quite accurate. I've never actually seen this movie, but I've seen trailers and clips for it. But it has sort of a a Wicker Man vibe. Yeah. Well, I, it also has a little bit of an Omen vibe to it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the tone of the the setting and everything feels like the the original Omen movie. Yeah. Uh, a little a little bit. It's this small rural village, you know that where witchcraft is something that's practiced by both good and bad people and the master is taking complete advantage of it to try and summon the most deadly forces at his disposal to take over and destroy the world so the third doctor actually has quite a few episodes that are creepy and so if you're looking for a classic doctor that has you know creepy episodes and i wouldn't say outright terrifying but creepy and unsettling episodes uh the third doctor is your best bet out of all the classic ones i think there's a little bit of tom baker 
that has that in it, but not nearly as much as, as the third doctor. No, he, Tom Baker hits on it occasionally, but he's definitely got, you know, the more adventuring through time and space vibe. Um, right. All right. We're at number five, Paul. Well, it's actually kind of funny that you, uh, that you named, uh, the Damons because my number five is the impossible planet and the Satan pit. Aha! <laughs> oh yeah, which is in a way kind of loosely related to the Daemons. A little bit, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I totally forgot about these episodes when we were making the list. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it because oh yeah. my freaking goodness, this was definitely <laughs> something I had to watch the next episode afterwards before yeah. I went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it has the the whole um, possessed person with the red eyes and the symbolism written all over the walls and even on their body. And yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah, it it very 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 much uh, has a very much uh, very strong occult vibe to it. You know, and and it also makes the the doctor question his own beliefs, uh, because uh, he has never believed in heaven, hell, God, or the devil, uh, and you know, then he suddenly runs into the very beast that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that he doesn't believe in. You know, I thought that that was very very creepy, extremely unsettling to say the least. Yeah. What's the name of the guy who who gets possessed? Ah, dude, you shouldn't ask me that. I can't Sorry. remember. <laughs> I don't remember his name either. But uh, uh, the 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 freakiest no, scene, the freakiest scene to me in that that episode was when he is. It's early on, and he has been possessed, and he's out standing out in the in vacuum space. of space yes. on the on the planet, and turns around and just grins that demonic evil grin at uh, at the girl at the, who's in the window and of course she gets spaced and then he basically shows her to everybody else by smacking her up against the window you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's kind of like hey look at the trophy that I have right you know? while, while while pretending <laughs> to be you know, uh, terrified of what well, I mean, is going on. He doesn't physically throw her up against the window, but he puts her in a position to end up there. Let me put it that way. Right. <laughs> so, did you have a specific moment in that episode other than what I just mentioned? Well, wanted... other other than the ending, which I can't talk about because I don't want to spoil it for everybody that hasn't watched it. Um, I would say. One of the things that uh, I thought was really creepy also is the fact that not only uh, did he become possessed, but that he also possessed the Ood oh, as yeah. well. They basically turned into... The spawn own, of Satan? Yeah, their, their, <laughs> own, uh, their own separate threat, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, on top of, of him. Oh, the, the ood scrambling th- through the ducts after them. Yeah, that's always. <laughs> well, I mean, 
saying that the Ood are already a little bit unsettling at that point to begin with. Right. Because you've you've only gotten to see them in a way that makes them feel strange or odd. You've never really gotten to see them in a way that makes them feel natural. And right. so at this point, they're not only mysterious, but they're they're already unsettling because of that. And then to just flip them like that on top of that. <laughs> it adds a whole nother creep factor to it, you know. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And then they use their voice boxes to electrocute people with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. I'm going to go ahead and go with a really, really very recent episode for my number five. Uh, okay. That that being Listen from last season. I almost used that one too. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if you look at the story as at the episode as a whole, it's not that that freaky because it sort of gets explained away and we get that really interesting scene at the end where Clara meets the doctor as a boy, basically. Mm-hmm. But the first like three quarters of this episode, aside from the, the weird date that Clara and Danny keep going on, um, <laughs> that happens repeatedly. Um, it's a it's a freaky episode because it's like, is something really there? Or is it not? And if it's not, why is all this stuff happening? You know, it, what's under the, under the sheet? I mean, we have the possible... That expl- never got explained. We have the possible explanation that it's actually, <laughs> you know, another one of, of the, the kids there at the home just playing a joke. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but it's never confirmed <laughs> or denied. It delves into the idea of that sort of similar shared dream theme that people have and it's like what is that really why is that really right. there and then of course when they're in the the space station at the end of the the universe and there's all the noises and it's like is the station just settling or is there something really out there <laughs> and that will tie into one of my later episodes but you know and we and it's never really <laughs> fully explained in either way, right. you, you you get hints and nods and nudges in a particular direction, you know, going, you know, giving it sort of a happy ending at the end of it. But there's always that little <laughs> nagging part in the back of your brain going, but what, but what if they're really? wrong? Yeah, but what is it really? <laughs> what if Clara was wrong? What if, it, you know, what if they, yeah. <laughs> there was really something to this, you know? And so it was one of those things where I think Peter Capaldi's the way he looks and the way he was a bit more disheveled and in that episode really helped to sell the creep factor as well. So kind of like the opening of this season. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he definitely did have the disheveled look going, uh, but then again, he'd been partying for three weeks. So, <laughs> all right. Number four. What's your number four? Silence in the Librarian, Forest of the Dead. Nice. Yeah. And I I know that we've said before, different people have different tastes, and some people think things are creepy and other people don't. But this was one that creeped me out just because of the fact that, for all intents and purposes, it was like 
it brought the darkness to life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was like you could literally say that you were afraid of the dark. It's not I'm afraid of what's in the dark. It's I'm afraid of the dark because the dark can eat me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Like a chicken and bone. So, like a chicken exactly. leg. Exactly. And and instantaneously, <laughs> you know. And then there was the whole the whole um uh stored memories thing where you know somebody would be killed but their their intelligence, their mind would still be present for a short time after. Oh yeah. And and you know that was the whole thing that I was talking about before uh, when we started the episode of, hey, who turned out the lights? Hey, who turned out the lights? Hey, yeah. who turned out the lights? And the skeleton is chasing them through the library, repeating this over and over and over. And every time he says it, it just makes my skin crawl, you know, and I'm going... <laughs> Go away! You know, <laughs> you stay over there, and I'll stay over here, and we'll get along just fine. You know, <laughs> there's just certain things like that that just set me a little on edge, mm -hmm. and and it's, sometimes it's hard to, to to actually explain exactly what it is that that creeps you out about certain things, but that's just one of the ones that does that for me. Nice. Yeah, this is one that I didn't really think of as a scary episode when I was making my list. And I think part of it is because River played so much of a part in the episode mm -hmm. that I just sort of classified it in my brain as a River episode and not a scary episode. Which, I mean, would, you could, they can be both. But it was one of those things when making my list, it just it wasn't one that jumped to mind. Now that you're talking about it and I'm reliving some of the stuff in my head and I'm like, oh, yeah, this was kind of <laughs> freaky. And I actually went back and watched both of these episodes today. So, <laughs> yeah. But not only that, there's also other factors about this that I find kind of unsettling, um, like uh, the events that take place uh, for what ends up happening to River in this episode, the events of Donna uh, being sucked into this computer. Oh, yeah. And then literally living a life in this computer that she wants to have, you know, with a husband and children and the whole thing, and then literally having it ripped away from her. Mm. Because it's she, not real. Well, Part of it was real, but part of it wasn't real. The part that was real is the person that she was supposed to be married to in the computer was a real person, mm -hmm. but they never found each other after they got out. Which was the saddest thing, because exactly. he's standing there on the teleporter <laughs> trying to yeah. say her name. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh... <laughs> sad face which technically i guess if she ever was to be shown again at some point in the future they could revisit that in some way but the fact that they found each other would be so far-fetched particularly because he's probably from some point in the future right <laughs> uh, so it would it would have to be a doctor's intervention thing for them to ever find each other again at some point you know uh but no i just 
there there were just there were dark themes on top of the creepiness that made it kind of scarier and more horrific to me uh, I guess in some of those ways Vashta Narada are not nice and ghosting is creepy and people's faces being implanted onto statues is not uh, very settling either Donna Noble has been Donna Noble has left the <laughs> library Donna yes. Noble has been saved Yes, over and over and over again. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> so it has a definite creep factor to it. Just a bit. Just a bit. Oh. I guess it's my number four. Yes. Uh, my number four is going to be my only Weeping Angels episodes. No, it's not Blink. I didn't actually put Blink on here. Uh, this is going to be Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. It's one of my favorites. Of course, uh, the two-parter in Matt Smith's first season where uh, the, the Weeping Angels have crashed on the, Byzant- on the Byzantium and Amy and River are there. Number one, first of all, it's just kind of a little bit creepy going through the catacombs and there's an angel stalking the the troops and the whole group and picking them off one by one. And talking to them using the voice of somebody else, just a little unsettling. And then at the end of the at the end of it, they figure out, oh wait, all these statues that we just assumed were graves. Yeah, those are actually weeping angels too. Yeah. And they're coming back <laughs> to life. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> Amy's got an angel growing in her eye. Yeah. Coming to life in her eye basically trying to turn her into an angel right yeah i don't remember how exactly it was going to happen either it was going to turn her into an angel or when it hit the end of the countdown it was going to manifest at the cost of her own life just Uh, explode out of her face something like that (laughs) yeah that's not unsettling at all no no and then of course there's the the crack in time that keeps swallowing people that and they forget them all which that's not fun and then there's amy wandering through the forest with her eyes closed through the middle of a bunch of weeping angels weeping angels on overload in this episode and oh yeah (laughs) there's that creepy shot of one just smiling at you yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I don't have too much more to say than that because it's just it's one of those the villain the music and the the well-timed jump scares in this episode you know were enough to obviously put it on my list so uh, the weeping (laughs) angels aren't necessarily my favorite villains I know some people will go, you know, will jump immediately to those as being their favorite Doctor Who monsters, but... Oh, they're one of my favorite, but I don't even have them in my list. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but th- th- there's one of those things where I don't see them as, as being, like, my favorites. So it's impressive that they, that they were scary enough in this instance <laughs> to make it on my list. So... Poor cleric Bob. <laughs> Soldier Bob. 
Anyway, did you have anything else? Anything you wanted to say about this uh, this two parter before we move mm-hmm. on to your number three? You pretty much said most of what needed to be said as far as that goes. But uh, any time that we get that really good directing of a Weeping Angels episode, you know, and and where they really play with the whole jump scare thing and, and the whole lights on lights off lights on lights off and and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that to me is where the weeping angels shine if you're just kind of showing them just to be showing them you know like in a creepy pose or something like that Mm -hmm. it doesn't strike it doesn't strike fear into me like it does if you can actually see the light strobing and things like that and you can see them moving but not moving you know that kind of thing and of course um, this episode has that one <laughs> shot of a weeping angel actually moving on screen where amy's you know by herself in the middle there and she yeah. drops the, the the little uh sonar thing and she's you know trying to feel around for it and the angels start realizing that she can't actually see them and the one angel starts turning its head to look at her. It's like, yeah. oh, that's not supposed to happen. The <laughs> lights are on. And we're watching it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I swear the angels episodes are, are episodes where we don't blink. Because we're, we're trying to keep the angels from getting the, our characters. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the case. You, you look like your skin's almost crawling right now. <laughs> it's that shot. It's that shot of the angels. Like that's not supposed to happen. That's no. And I've still got three other stories to talk about. So yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to your number three and stop talking I about the angels. Three. Is the empty child and the doctor dances? <laughs> nice. Are you my mummy? <laughs> yeah. Creepy kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sensing kids. a. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Creepy kids are worse than creepy dolls. I'm sorry. <laughs> they just are. I've been. I felt that way ever since I saw the original Omen. I'm, you know, it's just. Yeah, the creepy kid thing just it gets me every time <laughs> <laughs> so what's scary about this ep- these episodes to you <laughs> really <laughs> uh, well uh, for one thing watching watching the gas mask form out of people's faces in this thing <laughs> especially like with the doctor when the doctor uh, in the hospital changed oh, yeah, and the thing comes out of his mouth, you know, and I, yeah, <laughs> that was messed up. <laughs> yep. Messed up is the right yeah. word. The, the thing comes out of his mouth and the, the goggles come out of his eyes. Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm good, uh, thanks. <laughs> and 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 the the dynamic that you get with Eccleston in this thing, e- Eccleston plays it just 
so-so, you know, where he doesn't come off as I'm not afraid, but he doesn't come off as I'm terrified. He comes off as I'm creeped out just enough to want to get out of here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, if the doctor's creeped out, you should probably be creeped out too. Right. <laughs> Um, I think the the freakiest scene in those two episodes for me is when they're in the the kids' room uh, at the hospital and they're listening to the tape and then the tape is clicking. It's stopped playing, but yeah, <laughs> you can still hear the kids saying, "Are you my mummy? Are you my I'm here? I'm here, mummy." Mummy, I'm here. <laughs> and I'm going, dude, turn around. <laughs> it's not coming from the tape deck. <laughs> you know? What's that clicking? Mummy! Right. <laughs> What's that clicking sound? Well, that's. That sounds the tape play. The tape. It's at the end. I just told and the most. Voice... Da- I just had them. <laughs> I just told oh. the most dangerous force in the, in the world right now. To go to its room, <laughs> and we're in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, Oops. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Uh, no. The the thing that made it better for me in that episode was the levity that they brought into it mm-hmm. when they suddenly introduced the new sonic screwdriver for everybody to giggle at basically uh because you have you have uh the doctor has no problem using it up to that point until he has to explain to captain jack what it is and then captain jack makes fun of it for the entire rest of the episode basically it's a screwdriver (laughs) yeah who says i've got a screwdriver let's make it sonic Yeah, <laughs> uh, but See, I thought I thought that that was funny because we had already been uh, uh, introduced to it as an audience, but he had not really let anybody on the show kind of know what it was mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, other than it was a sonic screwdriver and it did a whole bunch of cool things. Yeah, he really Rose was the only person that knew anything about it at that point. And he, you know, didn't really take the time to explain much about it. And now we're just like, yeah, it's a screwdriver. <laughs> it really is just a screwdriver. It's supposed to be just a screwdriver. <laughs> so. This is an episode where, while it's got its creepy elements and its creepy scenes, it wasn't one that I classified as a scary episode, at least for my list purposes. Right. Because, you know, the whole stuff at the very end with everyone living and the increased levity with Captain Jack and all that stuff. It was a bit more of an adventure. The first half was much creepier than the second half. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, uh, but but that the resolution and everything, of course, took away from that at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But the whole lead-in in the first half, and then about the first, maybe third of the second half, I guess you'd say, 
was where all the creep factor was. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So. Although it's still probably my favorite two episodes from Eccleston's era. <laughs> it's a very well told story. As it well. is, and everybody lives is still one of the moments that <laughs> I get chills and tears. Yeah. You know, if it hits me just right. Uh, it's like, oh, yes, everybody lives, you know. Um, and once again, we will say, do not skip over Eccleston. He, he is awesome. He is fantastic. Yes. There's some weird episodes <laughs> in there, uh, we will grant you, but... But it's are... Doctor Who, there's going to be weird episodes. Right. And, but there are <laughs> gems in there as well. Uh, Dalek and this, this two-parter being uh, my highlights. Anyway... My number three. And we're going to take one last trip back to the classic era for this. And it's fitting that my number three is a third Doctor episode. <laughs> and this is going to be the story titled Inferno. Have you gotten the chance to watch this episode yet? This story? I haven't. Um, I really want to. But for some reason I just haven't gotten around to watching it okay. which is kind of kind of interesting considering that I literally in the last 2 days have probably watched about 9 or 10 different story <laughs> arcs of Doctor Who and that just hasn't been one of the ones that I've watched so uh, but I did get a chance to see uh, three or four uh, classic storylines uh, that I did not get to see uh, before so I cool. think that's really cool. Cool. Well, uh, I believe Inferno is on Hulu, uh, for those of you who are interested. And I hope you will be interested after this. But this is an episode where it's got an interesting, you know, time factor in, it, in that the Doctor slips sideways through time and goes into a parallel dimension. But the premise in both worlds that he's in is that he's at this project where they're drilling to the core of the earth and the parallel world they're farther along in the project than his reality is mm -hmm. um, but bad things are happening uh, they're having you know faults in the system and there is this weird green sludge that comes up when they hit mm -hmm. a certain level and it's highly infectious to a degree because it starts turning people into basically primitive uh, prehistoric animal men and the combination of the makeup and the sound effects that they use to give these creatures like a voice makes them creepy in and of itself that's not the worst part of it. There's this impending, this impending sense of doom that looms over everything because the project isn't something that should be completed. And of course, there's that one guy who's in charge of the project who will not stop it, you know, for anything. And you got to figure out how to stop him, how to stop the project, while people are turning into these weird prehistoric man-beast hybrids. In an enclosed environment, you know, basically it's this drill mm -hmm. reactor station. Oh, yeah. And in the parallel world, all of the doctor's friends 
are actually his enemies. And so you've got his companion Liz, you've got the Brigadier, and you've got Sergeant Benton, who's probably the, the most lovable unit soldier you'd ever want to meet, who are all totalitarian and really bad people. And so all of this is at play in these episodes, and it's just the overall sense of it is it's a slow build, but it just keeps getting worse, and it's not good. And it's unsettling. It's not, like, overly terrifying, but it's just really unsettling the whole episode. And, and whenever you're outside, they've got this slight filter on the mm-hmm. camera too, which just gets things just slightly out of, it, it messes with the sharpness of the image just a little bit. Does it have kind of a invasion of the body snatchers kind of vibe to it? I, I wouldn't know. I don't watch many horror movies <laughs> because my imagination runs away with me. And so my exposure <laughs> to horror is largely limited to things of the doctor who variety. Um, <laughs> I, I will recommend that you watch the 70s version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's pretty good. I will I will keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> and and so, yeah, it, it is one of those things where it just, everything, it doesn't, it, nothing seems quite right in the episode. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a, a lot of that, you know, the friends are enemies people are not people anymore and a project that should be going normally just has this impending doom looming over it the whole time and it just builds and builds and culminates in the final episode um and i won't give away what happens but uh, obviously the doctor is able to make it back to our reality um at the very end so uh, or else we wouldn't have him now. Right. right. So, <laughs> so like I said, third Doctor, he's he has made it into three of our four classic Doctor Who creepy episodes. <laughs> so like I said, check his run out if you want some creepy classic Doctor Who. Not all of them are going to be creepy. Some of them are really cheesy, but uh, there's there's some gems in there with if you want some creepy Doctor Who. Just a side tangent. I, I think I messaged you this week of this uh I never realized that Sergeant Osgood was in the Third Doctor episodes. He's actually uh, the the person who's trying to uh, get the machine to work in the Daemon's uh, story arc. Um, the one where they're trying to get the heat shield uh, removed. Oh, yes. And he's he's the one that the the machine blows up in his face, and he has this black all over his face and stuff. Yes, that's Sergeant Osgood. So when we're talking about Osgood from the new Who series, that's a throwback to the classic Third Doctor. That's uh, right. <laughs> that's right. And it it never hit me until I went back and watched the Daemons uh, that. Uh, that that character was actually there in the third doctor era. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I like, I like your dot connecting there. (laughs) All right. Well, we're, we're at our final two episodes. Uh, what is your number two? Waters of Mars. Mine too. Really? Yep. (laughs) 
right. Well, we can talk about this together then. <laughs> we, we, we can talk about this one together then. So. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Was there anything that wasn't creepy about this? No. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> no. Because even at the end of it, the doctor's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> First of all, unstoppable water parasite that turns you into a creepy monster. If there's water, it can get you. Yeah, even a drop. Even a drop. and Which, you know, terrifying in and of itself. Of course, they're in an enclosed, claustrophobic, uh, limited es- means of escape location. They're in a base right. on Mars. Uh, the only way out is the rocket, and, well, guess what? It's not their only way out. Any- it's, you know, that way's gone, you know, by a right. certain point. And, of course, the... The monsters themselves, when they when the parasite takes over the people, that in in and of itself is creepy too. Just the look of them and the fact that they're always <laughs> their faces look like cracked, you know, yeah, dirt or something. It's it's cracked, <laughs> and then they're always just you know dripping water. It's like stop, just yeah. stop it everywhere, everywhere just dripping water. Ugh. It's just. <laughs> it gets unsettling after a while. Yeah, extremely. And and it starts out feeling like it has kind of a zombie story kind of feel to it. But they're sentient. They're not just roaming mindless things. They right. actually have an agenda. And that makes it worse. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> and And, you know, it goes from feeling like a zombie type story to feeling like um, almost like the the zombie apocalypse brings on a natural disaster almost kind of feel to it, you know? Right. Because there's no escape. <laughs> no. There's no <laughs> freaking escape. There's water <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Water, water everywhere, not a drop and, to drink. Uh, and these things can go outside in the vacuum of space because they breathe water. And they bring it with them. <laughs> and they create water, so they create what they breathe. Oh, dude. <laughs> and like I said at the, the beginning of this, at the end, the doctor is terrifying. You know, I won't say, like, scary, creepy terrifying, but, like, as in, oh, my gosh, Disturbing. what are you anymore, you know, anymore terrifying? It's like, yeah. you really needed Donna here. <laughs> well, he needed somebody, that's for sure, because he almost lost his mind. He he allowed his his uh, narcissism to get the best of him, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 even in the fiftieth uh, episode, they teased a little bit, saying that he was a narcissist, you know. And also, um, when it came down to the very end of Matt Smith's run, uh, he cracked jokes about, you know, the fact that that incarnation of him was such a narcissist that he regenerated back into himself. Right. Uh, because he could not bear to change his face. Um, and, and so, you know, this is one, one place where you see that almost become psychopathic, you know, to a certain extent. 
one of the one of the comforting factors about the doctor is that he exercises self-restraint right. to such a strict degree in the waters of mars he drops that completely right and it's like this is the master on steroids almost i mean he's I, it's almost like he's trying to declare himself as god right and and it's in a yeah. sense it's very similar to what the master is but you're in, uh exponentially more terrified of the doctor being like this than the master uh yeah because the master you know his agenda is just so that he can rule so that he can have power the doctor he doesn't the doctor is different in that the doctor would do it out of a sense of i believe i'm doing the right thing whereas the master never even pretends that he's trying to do the right thing he's just doing what it takes to get power and you at know? the end during his little speech there about being time lord victorious he i don't remember if he says it outright but the idea is is that the universe has taken so much from him that now he's going to take what he deserves back right he's going to take what he deserves he's going to take it by force whether the universe or people want it or not and uh, he, he even says that he is at odds with time itself mm -hmm. you know and it has to obey him yeah so, in essence, he's saying, I am going to make myself God. Right. And so, Dude. on top of just the creepy monsters, you know, the creepy, terrifying, always going to get you, can't stop them monsters, you get the doctor doing that on top of it all. It's like he just snaps. Yeah. Like, he, he can't take it anymore. Yeah. And, and honestly, that is the point where I think that they had to get him to in order for him to become the character that he becomes in Matt Smith, because that's the point where he becomes so unhinged that he then becomes the madman with the box. You see right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I think that, uh, that they, they literally did that not only to scare people, but also to show that even the doctor can lose it at some point. Oh. It, yeah. It, it, that it episode. I watched that one today, too, by the way. <laughs> Are you going to be able to sleep tonight? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> that was one where uh -oh. I had to watch the next episode afterwards, <laughs> just, just to, like, go, okay, I need something else to occupy my mind. Well, I go to sleep tonight. <laughs> well, see, I, I can't watch the next episode because then I would have to watch the one after that because yeah. it's two-parter. Well, so. <laughs> I probably stayed up really, really late that night. <laughs> All right, well, we are at our final episodes because, because Waters of Mars was number two for both of us, so we just sort of did that together. Uh, Paul, what is your scariest Doctor Who episode. I'm going to think it's really, really weird if we end up with both of the same top two, so we'll just see what happens here. Okay. My number one, my number one is Midnight. 
<laughs> Mine too. Really? Yes. <laughs> Total psychological thriller, man. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly. Okay. <laughs> Folks, just to give you a little bit behind the scenes, when we make our lists, we don't tell each other what's on the no. list. So we make our lists and we come together and we record. And this is when we find out what everybody's got on their lists. This It's a surprise to each other as much as it is to you guys. And so this was not planned. No. Our number one and two was not planned. This is really funny. I it's like really this. weird too. It's really weird. Okay. Our number one and two are the exact same. Midnight is the ter- most terrifying episode of Talking Time Lords. So, all right, let's yeah. let's talk about Midnight here because there's a lot we can say. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the atmosphere itself is unsettling to begin with because you're actually on a planet that if you open the window, you die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless, you know, you got the special glass or the shades down or something. You know, it, it's... <laughs> or one billion strength sunscreen. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it's a planet that is so deadly that no life should exist. And of course, you know, but it's beautiful to look at. So the doctor goes on this little tour bus with a whole bunch of other people and so they're trapped on this itty bitty little tour shuttle mm-hmm. on this planet that is so deadly that no life should exist but something's out there which is the first creepy thing no well, life should exist on this planet to me it's even creepier because they say that nothing has ever existed on this planet ever and so they say that they are the first, the people that, that built this facility or whatever you want to call it, are supposed to be the first inhabitants on this planet. Mm-hmm. And they they had to build, you know, this uh, uh, facility to make it safe for people to be on. And the thing about it is you almost get the same kind of vibe, at least I do, with this that you get with... The Impossible Planet, and with the Daemons, and with Listen. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's almost like this is just another piece to the puzzle for all of these different things that are not supposed to be connected, but kind of feel like they are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Do you want to explain that? <laughs> well... Because this comes off as a, basically a demonic spirit. That's how this comes mm. off. You know, it, it, yes. it literally, you know, it, it, it's like, it, it feels like that something was put on this planet to keep it away from everybody else. Sort of the oh, same type of scenario okay. that you have now with I'm, the impossible planet. Now I get it. Now you I see get what it. I'm okay. saying? Yeah. Okay, and, but it ties back into listen because you don't know what it is, and it's never explained, and you never see it exactly. <laughs> and then it, you know, the daemons feels like it ties into the impossible planet as well, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it all kind of feels like it's all kind of part of the same loosely connected, you know, idea. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is sort of like a combination of a lot of our <laughs> episodes already. Well, it's like, see, it, I, I make that connection probably even more so because I've watched all of these episodes in the last two days. Uh, and True. so it's easier for me to see the connective tissue than it would be if I had watched them spaced out over a couple of years. See, one of the freaky things about it for me was that it was always because people traveling the planet in these these you know little tour shuttles and the explorers always just mm-hmm. explored it via computer tracking and that sort of thing. They couldn't actually right. open the window to see what was out there. So I always was wondering if maybe they just never saw what was on this planet. And the freaky thing to me was the idea that maybe there were more of them. Possibly. I mean, and so if there's one that attacks this yeah. little shuttle because the doctor gets on there with a bunch of other people and they break down and this thing starts coming and it starts messing with them and it's knocking on the ship and everything and then it possesses yeah. Yeah. this woman uh what's what's her name uh her name is sky sky silvestri well see it even goes a step further in that it makes everybody else start thinking twisted thoughts and and everything this the 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 interaction between the people on this uh i guess you'd say freighter would it be a freighter uh, tour shuttle tour shuttle okay that's what i keep calling it the interaction between the people on this tour shuttle at some points almost sounds like uh 12 angry men have you seen 12 angry men uh it's an old black, it's been a while. old black and white movie. Yeah, it's been um, a while. I've seen it, but it's been a while. It's a good story, but anyway, the interaction kind of comes off as that uh, so, at some points because people that would normally not have an issue to scream and holler and to fight with each other are at each other's throats mm-hmm. to the point of wanting to kill one another, and that didn't happen until this thing came on board. Right. So it, it just sort of yeah. amplified the fear of everybody and, you know, their true yeah. uh, base instincts, if you will, are revealed. And and it's, you know, flight or fight. And some people are trying to, you know, get away from it. And some people are trying to, like, no, let's get rid of it. You know, the only most violent and efficient way possible and that's to kill. And, of course, you right. know, it picks up on that and it possesses sky to turning you know more like herself again and it possesses the doctor through her and it start first it starts repeating everything the doctor says well first everything everybody says just to sort of learn and then it latches onto the doctor because he is the most um clever one on board right is how it was put then she catches up to him and then passes him up in yeah. speech. And he's sort of locked and stuck there. 
repeating everything that she says. It's as if she took control of his faculties to the point where all he can do now is repeat her. Right. And we have no idea exactly how he did it. Yeah. And it's... There's no... Of course, at the end of the day, obviously, the the stewardess saves everybody by, you know, tossing herself out of the shuttle with Miss Silvestri. Uh, Miss Skye, who's possessed, and the doctor is saved after everybody's, you know, about ready to throw the doctor out himself. I thought we weren't going to spoil the ending. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) But at the end of it all, there's no final explanation. No. As to what happened and how it happened. There's nothing. You're just sort of left with, well, I hope that never happens again. The lack of a conclusion, the lack of mm-hmm. uh, of a concrete answer at the end of it, I think, in addition to everything, is what really gives me the heebie-jeebies watching this episode. Basically, the doctor says at the end, he says, we need to tell them to uh, abandon this place and never come back. Right. And just let let it sit here and... You know, burn in the sun, basically. Right. Yeah. If you know, if he's too afraid to go back, it's pretty bad stuff. Because you know, he doesn't get afraid that easily. Right. In addition to you know just all the the creepiness that it is, it's a little bit sad, because at the end of the day, the hero remains nameless. Right. Nobody knows who who she was, and which well, they feel kind of guilty because they they felt like they never even took the time to get to know her. Right. It's as much of a you know the episode is as much of a of a look at the natural inclination of of people as it is you know a psychological horror thriller right. episode. Oh man. It actually reminded me of a uh, old-time radio drama that I heard, and I can't for the life of me remember the name of it, but uh, there was an episode that I heard where uh, this husband and wife were arguing constantly to the point of, you know, screaming that they hated one another and everything, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this person the best way that I know to describe it is person comes crashing through their window and just sits there and stares at them and it's I don't know if you would call it a creature or if you would call it a person because they said it didn't look like a normal human but it looked like a man so I don't know how you would describe that of course it's it's radio show so you have to imagine it in your head Right. Um, but this thing just sits there and stares at them. And if they try to leave, it gets up and moves in front of the door. That kind of thing. And it literally sits there and stares at them until they figure out that they need to resolve this between one another. And then once they resolve this between one another, it gets up and dives out the other window and crashes out the other window and just disappears. And... It was, yeah, it's an extremely creepy story, 
you know, because this thing just comes into their house and just, it never says anything. It just physically gets in their way and won't let them leave and holds them captive. And yeah, it, it wow. has the same, same type of vibe as that, you know, and that's an extremely creepy story too. <laughs> um, but like I said, I can't remember the name of that story, but yeah, this gave me the same feeling that that story gave me. You know, it's, it's one of those uh, stories of this scary thing becomes the catalyst for this psychological thriller to be built on top of, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to call it the MacGuffin because it's much more important than just a MacGuffin, but, you know, it, that the tone of those two stories is very similar to me. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I can, I can, I can see that, <laughs> or, or yeah. hear that, as the case may be. Well, any final thoughts on midnight or scary episodes in general in Doctor Who? Uh got a little interesting tidbit. Wasn't sure if you're aware of it or not. I know that there's probably some people out there that are, um, but I was aware of it. But I had forgotten it until I started, uh, like, listening to things and, and watching things for this episode. Uh, the second Doctor was in The Omen. Oh. He, he, he played the priest in The Omen who was trying to warn them about their son being the Antichrist. Oh. Yes. Patrick Troughton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you sent me a picture of that. You yes. <laughs> I have not seen The Omen. And uh, he does a very, very convincing job uh, <laughs> in that movie. I'll just say this. The original movie of The Omen is so much better, in my opinion, than the remake was. There, it's just... There's... Sometimes you just can't describe what it is that makes something better. You just know it's better. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though, you know, it was made back in the the seventies, and it and it was made probably on a much lower budget and that type of thing. There's something much more real world about it, and more. It just has a more realistic feel to it, mm-hmm. and. And Patrick Troughton just really elevated that, uh, you know, because he really made you believe that he was this priest who was trying to warn these people uh, about their son being the Antichrist, you know. Cool. Yeah. When, when did that come out? <laughs> oh, dude, I'd have to look it up. I actually have it on DVD. Because um, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm wondering if that was before or after his run on Doctor Who. I think it was after. Um, he was on Doctor Who from 1966 through 1969. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was after. I'm pretty sure that that came out uh, like in the early 70s, but I'll find out real quick. Because the 60s and 70s, horror was big um, on screen, that's for sure. That's when all the, the Hammer horror films starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing were going on, and everybody else is doing horror too. 1976. 1976. Yes. So, so it know. wasn't that far. It was maybe, what, six or seven years after Doctor Who? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 
I'm just telling you, even if you're not a huge, huge horror movie fan, this is one that I would highly recommend that you check out. Nice. Uh, and it and it's does, got a doctor in it. It <laughs> does have the doctor in it. So it's it stars Gregory Peck, um, which Gregory Peck, you know, is a very, very, very good actor. But yeah, I would I would highly recommend that. Awesome. Just, just a side note. Awesome. Well, <laughs> Doctor Who has always had a little bit of of scary in it, uh, even going all the way back to uh, the Daleks in yeah. the very first season. I, I mean, there's all these stories of kids hiding behind the couches, watching classic episodes of Doctor Who. Um, with the Daleks and the Cybermen and all that stuff, so there's always been a bit of a of a element of horror film in Doctor Who, which fits along the same lines of, of sci-fi. Sci-fi generally has a little bit of a horror element to it because there are there's the unknown that's out there, and I don't think we've had quite like the creepy episode yet. This season, um, I mean the under the lake. Not, that that was a little bit. It was a little bit. It the, wasn't hardcore. You no, know? the ghosts were a little bit unsettling because you could see the back of their skull through their hollowed out eyes. Right. But but it wasn't something on the level of like blink or listen, uh, in my opinion. No. So it uh, or midnight for that matter. <laughs> or waters of Mars. <laughs> yes, stop it. I think I, I think I may have to go and watch Pyramids of Mars after this, just to. You know, I almost watched that in the last <gasps> couple of days, but uh, I, I didn't. That was I was wanting to watch that one, and I was wanting to watch um, Inferno, but I hadn't got a chance to watch those yet. I, I might get to watch those for for Halloween, you know. Gotcha. Uh, if you if you watch those two episodes, watch Pyramids of Mars first, and then watch Inferno because Inferno is the scarier of the two. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, the because it'll be later when you watch Inferno. We, we were talking about we were talking about uh, horror being a factor in Doctor Who uh, over the years, even from the beginning. The the unfortunate thing about some of this is there's some hit or miss in there too. You know. Right. Um, because. We were talking about it earlier today. There's there's uh, one of the stories. Uh, it's actually a Tom Baker story uh, called uh, "The Horror of Fang Rock," that yeah. c- could have been an extremely creepy story had yeah. it not had it not been for some botched effects. You right. Know? The um, the atmosphere of that episode is creepy. The atmosphere yeah. of horror Fang Rock is creepy. Unfortunately, for me anyways, the effects and the design of the Ruton, which is the right. alien that they encounter in that, is not pulled off well at all. And that for, is probably it, this, the only thing that takes you out of it. I mean Right. And unfortunately, um, how did I describe it? <laughs> A radioactive bubble wrap jellyfish? Yeah. I think that's how I described it. Or no, no, um, you, you said uh, you said jelly, you said jelly, sack of jelly in saran wrap is what you said. That's what it was, a radioactive <laughs> sack of jelly in saran wrap, uh, something like that. But yeah, it was. 
that was <laughs> if if this is an this is an episode that needs a special edition where they go back and they redo the effects and the uh, and polish up the design of the Ruton. Right. Because if they get that right, then the episode would be pulled off really well and would be creepy and would probably have been in consideration on my list. But unfortunately for me anyways, uh, the Ruton took me out of it and and I couldn't even consider it as a horror movie or horror. It actually, it actually comes off as not only a, a, a horror episode for Doctor Who, but also a somewhat of a sleuth type episode as well you know right. where it almost feels like uh, one of those creepy Sherlock Holmes type stories you know that reminds me of an episode that might have made it on my list if I had remembered it earlier it's a fourth doctor episode called the talents of Wang Chiang which is basically the doctor being Sherlock Holmes and it involves a uh, a ventriloquist dummy that comes to life oh dude I have to watch that now, because <laughs> that's right up my alley. <laughs> so, the Talents of Wang Chiang. I believe that is on Hulu. So, oh, I have to hunt that one down now. So, yeah, it, the Doctor basically wears a Sherlock Holmes costume in it, nice. and it's set in Victorian England. Uh, you know, right at the time where you know Holmes would have been sleuthing. Well, maybe, maybe, is that Victorian? I don't remember. Um, no, it's so, not Victorian. Somewhere it's, around that time frame, but it's the late 1800s, you know, that sort of thing. Around the time of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, good set of episodes, um, <laughs> with starring, uh, of course, Tom Baker and Leela as the companion in that one. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, we we should we should probably have an episode at some point that talks about hit 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 or miss uh, scenarios with yeah, uh, you know. Things, things that would have been great had it not been for yes. blah. <laughs> um, should we even talk about Caves of Androzani? We can mention it. <laughs> um, it's one of the best I, Fifth Doctor episodes there are. Yeah, from his perspective. If you focus, it, it is one of the best acted Fifth Doctor episodes, period. And one of the best acted classic episodes, period. There is one glaring wart <laughs> on the episode. The cave that, beast. <laughs> yes, the cave beast. Thankfully, it is not featured very heavily. Heavily, so um, it, it almost looks like a big rubber parade float or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a Phantom of the Opera meets uh, guerrilla warfare flick see that's you know. what i actually liked about it i like the fact that it was a bit of a psychological thriller you know in mm-hmm. and, and that it had aspects of uh, phantom of the opera and it. it had aspects of just really dark undertones and really dark uh, character build up and character settings and things like that where people are doing things to each other just out of cruelty you know yep. just because they can Yep. And and you know that comes off uh, as as scary to me because it's real world stuff. You know, this is things yeah. that could happen in real life. People do. Uh, yeah. So you know, 
the 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 one thing that took me out of that whole story was the cave beast. Yeah. Had it not been for that, you know, I, I would have I would have probably had it on my list. Yeah. You know. So there's a couple freebies for you. If you want something to enjoy most of <laughs> on Halloween, <laughs> uh, there there's a couple of freebies for you. Well, uh, I like I like three out of four episodes of, of the horror of Fang Rock. The fourth, yeah. the the last episode was the one where I went and now it's turned into an episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. It's just, it's not a horror story. Well, we should probably wrap this up before we talk about all the somewhat freaky episodes in Doctor Who. <laughs> Any other final thoughts before we we start our, our wrap-up here? Ah, really looking forward to our next episode. Yes. Next episode, we will be reviewing... The Girl Who Died and The Woman Who Lived. Uh, not a true two-parter in the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's not a con- continuing story uh, storyline. It's a continuing character uh, that we're going to run back into, of course, with Maisie Williams' uh, character. And I'm blanking on her name as I'm trying to think about it. I'll think about it once we're done. A, but it's... a Shielder? Yes, a Shielder. A Shielder, yeah. Shielder something like that. Something um, like that. We'll see if she keeps the name. We did, you know, we got the story all nice and wrapped up, and then it left us with a big to-be-continued uh, at the end of the episode. So, And the, the, the interesting thing about it is that the Doctor has now made himself weirded out because he has now done something similar to what Rose has done in the past that he got weirded out about in the first place. Yes. And we, will get, <laughs> we will dive into that uh, all the way on our next episode. Um, but of course, you notice, until then... You notice I didn't go into depth on that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But of course, if you want to give us your comments on uh, The Girl Who Died and The Woman Who Lived, please go ahead and leave that for us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash talking time lords or on twitter at talking time lord or if you can want to you can email us at talking time lords at gmail.com of course yes of course our home on the internet where all of that information is as well as all of our previous episodes is at talking time lords.com and if you do send in a response you will uh likely have it heard on the show here folks so we we want your comments we want your interaction here uh we want to get your thoughts this is a conversation we're talking time lords and we want you to talk time lords with us so exactly do not forget anywhere that you see us (laughs) anywhere that it's possible for you to do so please leave us a comment please leave us a review it very very much helps us Uh, especially to get the word out about the show and let other people hear about us. Yes, and if you're enjoying us, uh, tell your fellow Whovians about us. Uh, We'd appreciate adding more of you to the conversation. Well, I think that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 21, Top 5 Scariest Episodes. (laughs) For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Hey, who turned out the lights? I did. (laughs) 
Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.